What a day in college football. Not as many upsets came through that could have happened, but we had a couple. And uh, the top four were certainly rattled as you had yourself wondering who actually wants to make the playoffs once uh, we start to go through the day on Saturday. So let's recap here. Number one, Georgia pitched a no-hitter until the fourth quarter against Kentucky, but it was slow-moving. The Bulldogs scored on four of their first five possessions, but they settled for three field goals in building a 16-0 lead and coasted to a 16-6 finish. Stenson Bennett was 13 for 19 for 116 in a pick. Kenny McIntosh had 143 of the 247 yards on the ground for the Bulldogs at 7.5 yards per carry. Now, they did take away the Wildcats' best weapon. Chris Rodriguez back there in the backfield, holding him to 5... 51 yards at three yards per carry. He's been the best threat back there for that group. They challenged the uh, offensive line there for Kentucky. Didn't get a ton of sacks, but uh, just did a good job of limiting that offense. This was doing the bare minimum to win the ball game for Georgia. And although you never really thought they were going to lose, it was not really an impressive game. Just a 10-point margin there for Georgia. Not exactly blowing up a competition. And you always have to wonder in these games if one ball pops out or one play goes the other way, if Kentucky's right back in and if something else could change. So just a little bit dangerous way to play there for Georgia. Number two, Ohio State was down 13 to 10 at the half and turned that deficit into a 43 to 30 survival game as the points pile up in the second half. The Terps, Maryland has played good all year really the defense has been great they show different looks sometimes they're blitzing one to two people sometimes they're dropping into a nice zone sometimes they're in a three four sometimes it's a four three they threw it all at the Buckeyes it was the same kind of blender that they had Michigan in earlier in the season now Tulia Tagaloa had struggled recently but he was 26 for 36 here for 293 yards and three total touchdowns he was sacked five times including the play that cinched up the game for Ohio State. Uh, Maryland was backed up, uh, down three points with the ball, possibly driving down the field to either win or tie up the ball game with the field goal. And he was absolutely crushed, falling down and hitting his knee. The ball popped up in the air out of his hand, and the defender grabbed it and ran it in for a touchdown to create that 13-point final, final margin there. Hopefully he can play out the last couple of games of the season. It looks like that he landed on that same same leg that was banged up. Uh, Travion Henderson had 11 carries for 19 yards and a 31-yard touchdown catch before he went out. Maya Williams did not play. Uh, Dallin Hayden, the freshman running back, was the main bell cow. 27 carries for 146 yards and three touchdowns. C.J. Strout was 18 for 30 for 241 yards and one touchdown. Not exactly a, a great resume builder towards the Heisman for him. Emeka Ibuka finally got involved a little bit more at the receiver position. Six catches for 82 yards. It's been the Marvin Harrison Jr. show back there. He saw double-digit targets 
finished with five catches for 68 yards, including just a fantastic grab in the first quarter where he was completely covered and the ball just kind of zipped in and looked like it disappeared between himself and the defender going up for it. And he just came down with the grab. It was just wild. So this team still needs to get healthy. I'm not sure that it really matters which running back is in there. Again, since the preseason, we've been saying there's three guys there that can run the football, uh, but they still need some some guys to get healthy there for the Michigan game. Speaking of, the third-ranked Wolverines were without multiple tight ends and skill guys, including Edwards. Uh, Blake Corum had one carry in the second half. A uh, leg issue apparently seems to be the problem there, but he had 108 yards rushing and 39 yards receiving and a touchdown on his short day in the first half there. He did fumble in the red zone, I believe that was a, a problem there, but Michigan still couldn't score once they got inside the 20 and uh, really gambled a lot in the fourth quarter. They settled for a field goal with 12-31 remaining to cut a seven-point deficit to four. They got the ball back again. Uh, drove the field, kicked a field goal with uh, the three to four minute range to make it a one point game, hoping they'd get the ball back again and be able to drive the field again, which they did. Illinois had a poor attempt to convert a fourth down. Uh, the left tackle didn't know the snap count, apparently, and literally didn't get out of his stance. So DeVito, the quarterback, was under immediate pressure. And it was just horrible play execution by Illinois that gave Michigan the ball in decent field position to go ahead and pick up a couple first downs and kick that third field goal in the fourth quarter for the game winner, which is, you know, exactly what happened in that ball game, which is, I guess, how you mapped it out if you were Michigan. That's not what I would have relied on there. J.J. McCarthy was 18 for 34 for 208 and looked just bad. He's missing crossing routes. He's missing touch passes that are close to receivers, but going out his drops as it bounces off their fingertips. Just not, not good at all. Uh, the back that came in for Blake Corum wasn't good. Uh, three yards per carry for C.J. Stokes. Chase Brown on the other side for Illinois had 29 carries for 140 yards and two touchdowns, and he was questionable to play coming into the ball game. So great uh, finish for there, but a tough three-game slide for Illinois. Again, Michigan has to get healthy as well. It'll just be a shame if we get this big buildup for Michigan-Ohio State and both teams are banged up and not playing with uh, with all their guys there. Number four, TCU came back multiple times to win on a last-second field goal, running on as the clock expired. It was a running clock uh, to win 29-28. to Baylor rolled up 232 yards on the ground, but other than that, a lot of the penalty, turnover, total yardages were very comparable. Quentin Johnston went down again for TCU, so it was a mix of, of guys at the receiver position to kind of help Melks. Max Duggan in the second half get to position to kick that game-winning field goal and to score and make it down the field. It was an interesting sequence as TCU ran the ball with no timeouts to set up a field goal and special teams had to run out there to to kick the game winner. Just an interesting uh, a back and forth game. TCU was again not favored to come in and just blow the doors off here. And of course, you know, it was as close as as projected, but they managed to get another big win here, and they have to finish up against Iowa State and a great defense next week. So we'll see um, what TCU can do. Not a whole lot of other notes for this game, but it was uh, was fun to watch. Number five, Tennessee was smoked on the road by South Carolina, sixty three to thirty eight. I did not inverse that. Tennessee <laughs> smoked on the road by South Carolina, sixty three to thirty eight. I turned this on at twenty one to seven. 
and thought South Carolina scored some fluky ways off a kick, a kick return. Maybe they got a, a pick six in there. I, I had I had no idea. As we know, um, South Carolina and Central Michigan are two of the teams leading the country in, in special teams touchdowns. But I rewound the game, and the Gamecocks just bullied Tennessee the entire game in the trenches, offensive line, defensive line, and got whatever they wanted uh, on Tennessee's defense, which we already know has struggled this season, but it was just wild. Uh, Bryce Arena there has a reputation for its loud atmosphere, but this game just was nuts. Uh, Spencer Rattler nearly doubled his touchdown numbers for the season. He had eight coming in and threw six here, 438 yards on the night as the Gamecocks finished with nine touchdowns on uh, 10 completed drives. Uh, One was at the end of a half, so I threw that one out, but nine out of 10 drives that were played out to completion finished in touchdowns, increasing the uh, touchdowns scored in SEC play by 33%, a third of all um, touchdowns scored in SEC play were this game for the Gamecocks. They ran out of fireworks in the stadium, ran out of stuff to shoot. Uh, Now, Hennon Hooker went down in the fourth quarter with a non-contact knee injury, so you have to wonder if we'll see him again. Joe Milton came in to finish the game. He hasn't played any significant time since the uh, food fight game last year, we'll call it, uh, with Lane Kiffin and Old Miss, where they're out there on the field and people start throwing stuff on the um, on the field with a couple minutes to go in the fourth quarter as both teams are trying to finish out a close game. And it's delayed, and they kick students out, and they push them to the back of the student section, and then they run back to the front of the student section and start throwing stuff a game out, you know, out on the field again and throw golf balls and just a crazy finish to that one. And Joe Milton, with his powerful arm, wasn't able to uh, finish that game off, and uh, he wasn't able to, you know, make a three-touchdown comeback here or anything like that. So we might see him finish out the year. That would be unfortunate to uh, to not see Hooker and this could be just a catastrophic way to end Tennessee's season altogether. That would be just horrific. Um, they end the season with, Tennessee ends the season with Vanderbilt, who needs to make a bowl game. Vanderbilt upset Florida 31-24 to with 160 yards less offense today. Uh, yesterday, as I'm recording this, Anthony Richardson had 400 yards passing and three touchdowns, but the run game was shut down to 2.1 yards per carry. And Vandy just found a way to win, but that's that's what they've been doing. Number six, LSU eventually beat UAB forty-one to ten. I had this one on earlier and did not uh, fully catch the second half as LSU pulled away, but they did hold Dwayne McBride, who was the third rusher in the country in terms of yards coming into the game, to thirty-four yards total and one touchdown. Jaden Daniels, two hundred and ninety-seven yards passing, one hundred and eleven on the ground, two total touchdowns. Noah Kane seems to be the running back that they found there. He had 76 yards and three touchdowns as they uh, put out the Blazers. Number seven, UC, uh, USC. Who these acronyms. Number seven, USC came back from a 14-0 first quarter against number 16, UCLA. And uh, let's read off some of these numbers here. Three punts in the whole game. Three Dorian Thomas Robinson DTR picks with a banged-up thumb, that's one banged-up thumb, 13 total touchdowns in the game, 503 yards of total offense, and three touchdowns for Caleb Williams. Jordan Addison looked like himself again at the receiver position, 11 catches for 178 yards and one touchdown. Austin Jones filling in at the uh, running back position, as he will be for the rest of the year, 120 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. Seems to be doing fine there. Uh, DTR had six total touchdowns. You could tell his left thumb was an issue later in the game, had lots of problems. He got popped at one point, looked like he might come out altogether, but he stayed in 
and went through it. But the turnovers literally led to points every single time and uh, ended that game for him. And that was the difference. It was the same as the Oregon-UCLA game where UCLA kicked a couple field goals and that created the, the points difference. And um, that's the difference in all these games. USC, UCLA, Oregon, Utah. You need points on the board in all these games. And that uh, that about sums it up. It was fun. There was lots of points. Guys are open all the time. Uh, I'm sure, I haven't looked it up yet, but I'm sure if you look at the average plays, uh, yardage per plays, it was in the double digits, 10 plus every time someone touched the ball for either one of these teams, which is crazy. But the defense for neither one is, is very good. They can get pressure, both teams on opposing quarterbacks, but we know USC doesn't turn the ball over and forces turnovers, and that's that was literally the difference in this ball game. And still, they had to punt it back to UCLA with a possession difference in the game, and UCLA had a chance to drive down and win the ball game at the very end. It was a field goal difference, but uh, DTR threw his third pick of the uh, night to end the ball game. So that was it. UCLA pulls it out. Again, an exciting ball game, but none of these teams play any kind of defense. So UFC makes the playoffs if they do. Uh, it'll be that fourth seed spot matched up against a number one seed like Georgia, who's going to beat the absolute hell out of them. It'll be one of those type 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 of matchups. Number eight, Alabama blanked Austin Pay 34 to nothing. Looks slow getting off. I didn't watch a minute of it. Number nine, Clemson crushed Miami 40 to 10. Not particularly impressed uh, with the whole lot there. DJ Ungale rolling up a stack of yards there. Kate Klubnik got in for a couple throws, but uh, they, they beat a, a defeated Miami team at this particular point. Penn State crushes Rutgers 55 to 10. They've won six games by 28 plus points this year. How about that for Penn State? They just get clobbered by the really good teams, Michigan and Ohio State. Number 10, Utah. This was a late night. Falls 20 to 17 to number 12, Oregon. Probably the one exception to the rule I just gave that all the Pac-12 games are going to be shootouts. This team combined for six turnovers. Bonix did play. He was questionable, but didn't run the ball until the final real play of the game before Neil Downs when he converted a fourth down and ran out the clock. The Ducks averaged a horrible 2.4 yards per carry, and Utah averaged a horrible 4.5 yards per pass. Cam Rising looked atrocious. He threw three interceptions, zero touchdowns, couldn't make the throws and conversions to move the chains late or at most times during the game. Tight end Kincaid had half of all the receiving targets, finished with 11 for 99 yards. So the plan was just throw it to Kincaid and everything else really kind of sucked for Utah. Again, Bo Nix has been the driving force for the offense for the Ducks. And with him kind of one dimensional, kind of shut down a lot of what they were doing there. Regardless of some of his decision-making skills, he did have a pick in the red zone which is where he tends to make a lot of his mistakes at critical times against good football teams. Now, the announcers were talking Bonix for Heisman again, speaking of overhype, and I'm really not sure how you get there. Even with C.J. Stroud not looking so great at times, Drake May taking another loss that we'll get to in a second, and Hooker uh, taking a loss and going down. Maybe Corum is out of it. I don't know. Uh, his best game, Bonix, was the near-perfect five-touchdown game against UCLA, but he also had the horrible game against Georgia to open the season that you can't forget. Then he had a good performance and stat line against Washington, but lost. You can argue he did get hurt at the end of that game, couldn't quite finish it out healthy. Then he won this game over Utah, but didn't put up an impressive stat line and needed Utah to kind of suck to survive. Again, bad angle, you could blame that. 
So looking at the stats and performances and how you got here and how your team performed and how you played and all that, factoring all those kind of things in, I'm not saying he's outside of the top eight to 10 quarterbacks, but we're talking about number one in the country Heisman performers, and he's just not there. He's just not there. Maybe it'd be different if he was healthy, but this is not a Heisman guy. We need to cut that out. Speaking of Drake May, number 13, North Carolina led Georgia Tech 17 to nothing and proceeded to absolutely bomb out after that and lost 21 to 17 to the third string quarterback there, Georgia Tech. And uh, GT can all of a sudden make a bowl game now if they can somehow beat Georgia next week. (laughs) So uh, now Drake May, 202 yards and a pick. Horrible day for him. Only 13 yards on the ground. He's the team's leading rusher as well. Um, UNC is still going to be in the ACC championship game, but not the playoffs. It just if if he just has a bad day, this team doesn't go. It's it just sucks. They sold a pathway to the playoffs. Obviously, they are going to be in the ACC championship game. They can make in the year six game if they uh, win there and beat Clemson. But that's just so disappointing to see such a talent and a lot of talent that uh, Mac Brown has recu- uh, re- recruited there. But, man, North Carolina in general the past few years has just, just been disappointing and so close to some really great things, and they just cannot get there, even in bringing in some really good quarterbacks. So just a disappointment. Number 14, Old Miss won't be doing much either. They have lost three of four in the more, most difficult part of their schedule after losing 42-27 to to Arkansas. Old Miss was down 42-6. to and scored three touchdowns in the fourth quarter to make it, you know, a little bit decent-looking box score. Um, so they broke break their streak, at least, of uh, scoring a boatload of first-half points and scoring nothing in the second by scoring a bunch of garbage-time points. They turned the ball over three times. That was the difference. Uh, K.J. Jefferson came back. He didn't have to do much in his return. He did score three touchdowns passing. Old Miss eventually, you know, padded out stats and outgained the Hogs, but they had over 230 of their yards in the fourth, which accounted for over half their total yardage in the game. So Quinchon Judkins finished with 24 carries for 214 yards. That's 8.4 yards per carry and a touchdown. Zach Evans, 17 carries for 207 yards. That's 12.2 yards per carry and a touchdown. So they did damage 8.7 yards per carry overall for the team, 463 yards, but they lost by two touchdowns and were down by bazillion throughout the entire game. Arkansas had 232 yards on the ground, three touchdowns from Raheem Sanders. He had 9.7 yards per carry and over 300 total rushing yards for the team. So lots of groundwork here. Three turnovers was the difference. And Old Miss, you have to wonder, you know, that first loss kind of puts you with how far down they were on the rankings, basically out of the playoffs, unfortunately for them. That second loss then not only knocked you out of the playoffs, but out of the SEC picture, probably out of the New Year's Six picture because with the top, so many top uh, SEC teams, Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama, like they were out of everything after the second loss. So you have to kind of question their uh, motivation and, and, and willing to play even after two losses and then going on the road to Arkansas. They just weren't in it, man. Just not in it at all, which is unfortunate. And it's kind of a bummer because whether they f- had finished 10-2 and two or 8-4 and four in the regular season, I'm not sure that that places them in a tremendously different bowl game either. So you can kind of see where, um, unfortunately, the lack of of feeling in it and engaged um, kind of goes away, which is too bad for uh, us football fans and certainly for the guys, but uh, certainly for us watching too. So 
Number 15, Kansas State beat West Virginia 48-31. to Only 13 points were scored in the second half, so it was over early. A Washington, jeez, uh, West Virginia isn't going to a bowl game, which is kind of a bummer. They can pop off for some points. Um, quarterback change there. Kansas State might go to the Big 12 championship game with Will Howard, who is Q being here, uh, with Adrian Martinez being out. He had 294 yards and three total touchdowns. doesn't matter who's the quarterback here. They're both fun, so this is a, a dangerous team. be great to see them. Uh, you, you know, you'd like to see TCU in the playoffs. That would put Kansas State presumably in a Big 12, uh, excuse me, New Year's Six Bowl game against a, a good competitive team. And uh, that would be that'd be cool to see, I think. So West Virginia not going to a bowl game is kind of a bummer, but um, just not not the year there. So number 17, Washington beat Colorado 54 to seven. Not much to see there. Number 18, Notre Dame beat Boston College 44 to nothing behind three interceptions from corner Benjamin Morrison. Maybe we don't throw there anymore. Number 19, Florida State buried Louisiana 49 to 17 as they continue to just explode offensively there. The Seminoles. Number 20, UCF fell 17-14 to to Navy as the midshipmen logged their eighth win since 2000 with zero passing yards. That's a Fox Sports stat there for you. That was the 11 a.m. game on uh, Saturday, so the first one to finish up, and that was a big upset for the Knights. Now, it's not a, a really a big factor. Um, now, both quarterbacks played for the Knights. No one looked particularly significant, uh, so I don't know which one is going to be the starter moving forward, or if it's going to be a two-system type of deal. It was just a just a weird loss here, and they just could not stop, you know, Navy in the trenches, which is often how you lose to this, this group. Um, so I don't know who's going to start moving forward. They're still going to be in the American Conference Championship game unless they lose next week to uh, South Florida, which they should not. With number 25, Cincinnati beating Temple 23-3, to and number 21, Tulane beating SMU 59-24. to Those are the two teams that were tied with Central Florida, but they play each other next week. So one of them is going to knock the other out, and the other is going to have uh, the same record as, as Central Florida, and uh, Central Florida's got the tiebreaker. Basically what I'm saying is Central Florida's in regardless because they've beat the teams that are going to be right among them, basically. So they're still going to the American Conference Championship game if they beat uh, walkover South Florida next week. And they'll get the winner of Tulane and Cincinnati. So we actually have a lot going on with a couple games there in the American Conference. Number 22, Oklahoma State. Lost to Oklahoma 28-13. to Just another weird, weird game. And uh, I watched chunks of this and was flipping over, but Oklahoma led 28 to nothing after the first quarter and didn't score again. And uh, Oklahoma State, you know, put up a field goal here, put up a field goal there, scored a touchdown, and you're always like, well, they could still be in it. And the picks compiled, and Spencer Sanders just didn't look good. I flipped this game on, and uh, it was an image. The first image that popped up was the back of Spencer Sanders walking out of the field. And his shirt's all torn up, and the back of his jersey is all covered in grass, like he'd been laying on his back all freaking day. And I'm like, oh, it looks like that Oklahoma defense is looking better. It's starting to get to him a little bit there. So, but man, I don't, I don't know what happened. I don't know why Oklahoma just cannot either play a full game or doesn't want to play a full game. Uh, Dylan Gabriel there at quarterback had three total touchdowns, I believe. He's still looking solid for that group. But they, they I mean, that was win number six for them, so they'll be in a bowl game. But I just, I don't, I don't know. 
but Oklahoma State is just gone. Spencer Sanders can't win against good good teams. He just has problems. He's never been a great quarterback, and um, I I don't know not not a lot expected from either one of these teams to finish out the year. Oregon State number twenty three beat Arizona State thirty one to seven. The Beavs have been banged up, but they're still moving on. They'll play Oregon next week. That's a big game. Number 24, NC State lost another low-scoring bummer game, 25-10. to 10. The offense still looks cooked. MJ Jordan's a mix there, the uh, substitute quarterback, and uh, with Leary going down. But the Wolfpack offense just couldn't do it. The defense was fine, but still 25 points, beat them. No Malik Cunningham for Louisville either. Just a slow burn, slow beat up, and uh, just wasn't wasn't a great game. I had to go back and review, watched very little of it. And uh, it's just two teams that rely very much on defense, two teams that were playing backup quarterbacks, two teams that have struggled on offense all year with their starting quarterbacks in. So as you can imagine, this was just an ugly freaking game all the way. And Louisville played at home. So there you go. That was the difference. And the last couple games I have here. So Texas A&M led 10-3 at the half against UMass. And the view of the stadium was kind of freaking crazy. It was empty. Their spring game had more people in the stadiums. Everyone left at halftime from the look of it. Again, 10-3 at the half against 1-9 UMass. Horrific. They won 20-3. There's just some uh, horrible play. The end quarterback they have in there might be decent but it's hard to tell and with all the transfers that go on now maybe he'll leave in the offseason maybe someone else will come in clearly quarterback was one of the problems besides the overall offensive game plan this season so uh, you just don't know who's going to be left there and they're done after next week because they're not going to a bowl game because they're horrific so texas a&m looks bad feels bad in the team and uh and fans know it too but just crazy to see the halftime photo where no one is in the freaking stands, except for you can literally count on your your fingers and toes uh, the number of people in the stands. Just wild. Virginia Tech broke a seven-game slide, beating Liberty on the road 23-22, to as the Flames continue to pick up bad beats and just lose to teams they shouldn't and beat teams that they shouldn't. So there you go. But the Flames, um, just tough beat there. Wisconsin survived Nebraska 15-14. to in a battle of broken teams there. Uh, Purdue kept a leg up in the Big Ten West, 17-9 over Northwestern. What a barn burner there. Uh, Aiden O'Connell, a couple touchdowns, had a decent game, but yeah, what the hell. Northwestern's still not won a game in the United States. <laughs> Michigan State had a 17-point lead against Indiana and lost in double overtime when they were going to kick a game-tying field goal to send it to triple overtime, and it was blocked and returned for a touchdown. (laughs) The Big Ten is bad. The bottom of the Big Ten is real, real bad. That's why I'm not sure if the loser of Ohio State-Michigan will still make the playoffs. I thought it was a possibility at one point we could still get two Big Ten teams in, but I'm not sure that's still the case. There are a lot of other resume problems with other teams that could potentially make it in as a fourth team. So maybe Ohio State and Michigan still make it in regardless of who loses. But, um, man, that's just some of the other teams that both of these squads have played are so bad. They are so bad. Jaden Daniels returns for Kansas for the first time in six weeks. But, again, he does not play defense, and offense was not the problem for the Jayhawks. 
Texas hammers them 55 to 14. Bijan Robinson has a career high 242 yards and a career high four touchdowns. Jonathan Brooks has 108 yards and two touchdowns as they run all over the Jayhawks. Quinn Ewers, 12 for 21 for 107 yards and a touchdown. They basically say, hey, don't you even worry about throwing the football. We got this. Auburn was tied with Western Kentucky at the half, but won 41 to 17. I didn't watch much of that. Tank Higsby, the best back that Auburn has had in a while, and it's really fallen off the national radar with the turmoil there. 110 yards and two touchdowns. Good to see a nice stat line from him there and not just have the box stacked against him because they have no quarterback. So that's something, even though it wasn't even against an SEC team. Iowa stays just behind Purdue in the Big Ten West with a 13-10 barn burner win over Minnesota to somehow hit the under on the low, low. So there's another great duo of Big Ten teams. Bo Ibrahim from Minnesota had 39 carries for 263 yards and one touchdown because, God forbid, they have to throw the football to do anything. The game plan is hand mow the ball 40 times if possible. Now, Boise State and Wyoming played. Uh, I watched the last few minutes of this game. Uh, this was a stinker, and the Mountain West was so competitive and fun to watch last year. Had half the league that was interesting, and uh, this year's just just another page here, man. Uh, Boise State won twenty to seventeen. Now the Cowboys, Wyoming had the ball down a field goal with a minute forty eight left, and so they were driving. Are they going to put themselves in position to go to overtime? Can they maybe score a game-winning touchdown? Well, they threw a pick on their own 30-ish yard line to Boise State. Boise State was trying to run the clock out, maybe put themselves in position to kick another field goal if need be, score a touchdown, just run the ball. They're in good position. Instead, they fumble the ball right back to Wyoming, who then returns it all the way down the 20-yard line in field goal range with 48 seconds left. Hey, you've got a field goal in the bag. You can kick it tie it, or make a couple plays with the time left to try and score a game-winning touchdown. So the very next play, they throw an interception in the end zone. So there's three turnovers in the last two minutes of this football game. Boise State takes a knee, wins the Mountain Division of the Mountain West. Yes, this was for a divisional title. Jaden Clemens, the Wyoming quarterback, finishes 3-for-16 passing for 30 yards and three picks. And just a horrible football game. Uh, Boise State is just not overwhelming in any sense. Just note to self when looking at bull pickums later on. But uh, just just a terrible division there. Uh, Fresno State will play Wyoming next week, but they beat Nevada 41-14 to to and locked up the West Division already. Of course, Jake Heiner's been back. He missed a month plus earlier in the season, and it's just him throwing for 400 yards a game there. He is the difference in that particular team. They've rolled up at six straight wins now, something like that. I think they'll look good against Wyoming next week, and they should be favored over Boise in the Mount West Championship game. And they might be the only team that's looking, I think, good. The good, solid, put another kind of middling Power 5 team against them, and they could beat them. But this has been a rough year for the Mountain West. And uh, that was the epitome of what, what the play has been. Wrapping up a division title on three turnovers in the last minute. And just winning on another team's poor play. Just wild. Now, I scratched together my new top 20 here. I have number one, Georgia, two, Ohio State, three, TCU, four, Michigan. TCU's schedule right now and overall play, I think, is just better. 
than Michigan at this particular moment. You could argue it's better than Ohio State's. I considered putting them above them. I think Ohio State's talent's still better. The quarterback's, well, maybe the quarterback's not better. I may change that. But uh, Ohio State, still some injuries there, and I like their ceiling more than I like TCU's right now. So those are my top four. Then I have USC, who obviously has problems on the defensive end, but I have them at number five. I have LSU at number six. Penn State at number seven, Those both of those two loss teams, and I have Clemson at number eight with one loss. Now, I still don't think we'll have a two-loss team in the playoff. Clemson obviously can win a couple more games here to kind of push ahead, if need be, to take the slot of LSU or Penn State. LSU would have to beat Georgia in the SEC championship game to even be in the discussion, and Penn State obviously doesn't have any more big wins to, to give here. They play Michigan State in the final game of the season, and that's it. So, And they won't have any, I think, real big marquee wins. I mean, Auburn's not going to count for anything. Ohio out of the MAC might count as a decent win, but uh, they're not going to make the playoffs. Then I have Oregon at 9 and Tennessee at 10, both two-loss teams. And um, Oregon can make the Pac-12 Conference Championship game. Tennessee's kind of stuck with Vanderbilt next week, and that's about it for that team. They might be without Hendon Hooker moving forward. Number 11, I have Alabama with two losses. Number 12 is my first three-loss team in Kansas State that could win the Big 12 championship. Then I have UCLA. Florida State, I moved up quite a bit. I like them. They can score a lot of points. They play Florida next week to end the season. Then I have a couple more Pac-12 teams. I have Washington at 9-2 behind UCLA because UCLA beat them, and they actually don't play all these tough teams out of the Pac-12 conference. They kind of split the difference with USC, UCLA, Utah, and Oregon. They don't play all of them, so it's hard to say who they're better than necessarily. Then I have Utah at 16, North Carolina down there at 17 now, behind several three-loss teams at this point, and... um, then I have Old Miss at 18, Notre Dame at 19. You could make an argument they should be moved up since they've beaten Notre Dame now and North Carolina. Tulane, I have at 20th, Cincinnati 21st, and those two obviously play each other. And I have Oregon State at 22nd. Again, I was trying to round into kind of a top 20, but I just kind of threw this together. Oregon State playing Oregon, of course this week and what was used to be called the Civil War. I don't think it's called that anymore. So that's what I've kind of thrown together here. Realistically, as far as making the playoffs, Georgia, Ohio State, TCU, Michigan, USC, and I think Clemson can still move up there and jump two lost teams. They're going to play Georgia Tech. No, they're going to play South Carolina this week, and they're going to play the ACC championship game against North Carolina. Not that those are big wins, but uh, I think that they have a chance to still make the playoffs there. So it's really, we're just not going to see a two-loss team in the playoff. I think we really have six teams in contention here. If LSU was to win the SEC championship game over Georgia, maybe that becomes a point, but you really need someone else, multiple teams to pick up multiple losses. Uh, USC to have a second loss. Um, What, TCU is going to lose two games or one game, and it's going to have to be the conference championship game. You're going to have to have one loss, non-conference championship winner to uh, have a two-loss championship sec championship lsu team make it in it's just the numbers start to get start to get difficult so i still don't think we're going to see a two loss team in the playoffs and it's really down to five options georgia ohio state tcu michigan usc and possibly clemson at this point if you ask me
Now we have two Tuesday games I wanted to touch on real quick here. Tuesday, November 22nd. At 7 o'clock, Ball State's 5-6. and six. They're playing at Miami of Ohio, who's 5-6 and six as well on ESPN+. The loser goes home. The winner goes to a bowl game in probably a couple weeks here, one of the earlier slotted bowl games in early December, I would assume here. A Ball State threw 48 times last week against Ohio in a 32-18 loss. Carson Steele, their stud running back, only 14 carries, but 6.9 yards per carry. I'm not sure why they didn't give him the ball more often and earlier. Uh, they've lost two in a row now to the better MAC teams. Uh, Miami has lost three of five, but... They beat a struggling Northern Illinois team 29 to 23 last week. So this will be a bowl eliminator and a bowl initiator for one of these teams on ESPN plus this Tuesday. The other seven o'clock is Ohio at eight and three hosting Bowling Green at six and five on ESPNU. If Ohio wins this game, they'll win the Mac East and go play Toledo in the Mac conference championship. If Bowling Green wins, they might win the division Uh, Bowling Green. Uh, excuse me, Buffalo is still in the mix, but their Akron game was canceled due to the snow this past Saturday. So if they can't get in that game and win over Akron, who hasn't won a conference game this year, and then beat Kent State this upcoming Saturday, uh, you know, they're out of it. So there is still something on the line there and three teams kind of in the mix. Uh, but Bowling Green's offense still sucks. They had to force three turnovers last week to beat Toledo 42 to 35. They've scored fewer than 20 points. In four of the past six games, but they've still managed to go four and two in that span. Now, Curtis Rorke has six straight wins now with the Bearcats on the Ohio side. They're clearly the better team. They have the 11th best turnover margin in the country because he doesn't turn the ball over. And they they just they have one of the worst passing defenses in the country. But I'm not sure that Bowling Green could take advantage of that despite four passing touchdowns from McDonald last week. But he's only got 21 total on the season. So I'm just not sure that they're going to really be able to exploit Ohio or trade touchdowns with them. But this is a little bit interesting game in the uh, Mac race there. And there's a really good quarterback on that Ohio Bearcat side. So just noting those two games, uh, the next one will be the Egg Bowl on Thanksgiving. And I plan on putting another podcast out by then, just another watch guide with our college football games and kind of wrapping college basketball in there as well as uh, there should be, I think, fewer games to mention as a lot of these teams heading in the last week know they're not going bowling. And, uh, you know, it just changes what games you want to tune into and watch because they're not as not as exciting. So I just wanted to touch on the recap real quick and these couple early games uh, on Tuesday. And again, the next one isn't until Thanksgiving where we have Old Miss and Mississippi State. But I uh, plan on touching on that soon. So thank you very much for tuning in and I'll talk to you. Thanks. I need my blessings every penny Daily counting every single one I'm seeing plenty Level up and watch that beat it turn into a Bentley See I'm stunned, so I'm all I'm thinking, please don't tell me